my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hello, and welcome to season two of the Future Legends of Advertising podcast on iHeart, featuring the hottest up-and-coming stars in advertising, as well as the biggest legends in the game. In this series, we explore the future of the advertising industry through never-before-heard conversations between those who created it and those who are shaping its future. We're your hosts, Haley Romer and Ross Martin. Now, let's meet the legends. Wow, Ross, can you even believe it's been a full year since we did this podcast the first time? No, I mean, I've just been sitting here waiting to do it again, and now I can finally (laughs) wake up from my long slumber. I'm not sure you've been in a slumber exactly, given all the incredible things that are happening over there at Known. And as the president of Known, why don't you give us a quick update on how well things have been going, especially in the context of this insane year that we've just experienced? All I can say is that uh, I, I need to acknowledge that if we're doing a podcast about the advertising industry, this industry has been turned upside down, sideways, and all around for like more than just a year. And the tumult continues. It is the most dynamic time to be doing what we're doing. And at Known, I feel very lucky to be surrounded by incredible humans, great clients, and I feel inspired. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Unlike you, who's got a major pivot going on that was like just announced. So this is like almost technically your first real interview since you took a huge new job as the head of growth for Art Basel. So what's up with you? (laughs) Well, yes, there's that. This is technically my first podcast since I joined Art Basel as the new chief growth officer. And honestly, Ross, as you said, so I'm really, really excited and super excited to be back here, back here with our partners at iHeart, back here with you and the best agency in the business, which is known, and all of the incredible guests we're going to have. So this year is a really different advertising hall of achievement because we're giving out an award that we have never given out before. And it's, it's the Cultural Force Award. And I think now is definitely the time to be doing it. You talked about impact. We were looking to give this award to somebody who is having an outsized impact on culture through marketing and advertising. And we looked at a lot of people who are doing a lot of amazing stuff in our industry. And there emerged a very obvious choice 
for this inaugural award. Who was it, Haley? It was Chris Paul Ross. I think it'd be easy to look at someone like him and say, oh, sure, he's a celebrity, he's an athlete, and his ability to have an outsized impact stands apart from the everyday person. And yet what I loved about our conversations that we discovered that he's got this real deep understanding and appreciation for every facet of the industry. This is a guy who truly understands that nothing happens without a team. The way he talks about using his power and influence, both as an advertising spokesperson and as a basketball player and as a community leader, Chris Paul, CP3, is all about what can I do to affect positive change in in the world and in my community and given the gifts that God gave me, like to use his language. And I, I thought that was really moving. I agree. From that moment on, I was all ears. All right. So should we play it? Let's hit the show. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Here's Chris Paul. Chris Paul is widely regarded as one of the greatest basketball players ever. One of the top point guards of all time. Nicknamed the Point God. He won Rookie of the Year in his first season. Then he went on to become a 12-time NBA All-Star, an 11-time All-NBA honoree, a 10-time NBA All-Defensive Team honoree, led the league in assists five times, led the league in steals a record six times, won two Olympic gold medals, I'm not done, for the United States, First NBA player in history to score 20,000 points and 10,000 assists, which is insane. Ross, I know you love basketball, especially your beloved Brooklyn Nets, but this is not a basketball podcast. (laughs) So let's bring him on and kick off the show. That sound good to you? Great call. Welcome to the pod, Chris Paul. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, so much for having me. (laughs) I appreciate it. Y'all need to travel with me and introduce me everywhere I go. (laughs) (laughs) Ross was testing out his announcer chops. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you think of them. (laughs) I'm better than the guy. I'm better than the guy at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Um, Well, Chris, we're going to jump right in. We we got a lot of stuff to talk about with you. Um, And let's, in a minute, we'll get to like why we're really here, which is all the advertising stuff. But first, we do have to talk ball for a second. Okay. Because... It, we got you here. You, new team, new city, new chapter in an epic career. How are you feeling as you rev up for a whole new season? First and foremost, I'm I'm grateful. You know, I'm grateful that I'm still able to play at a high level um, at this point in my career. It's crazy uh, going into year 19, you know, and uh, I play for a number of teams now, and I just so happened to get traded to – Damn, they're my arch nemesis for all these years, you know. <laughs> and so uh, it's taken some getting used to. I remember the first time I went into the locker room and put the shorts on, uh, it was like, am I really doing this? And I think the, the coolest thing about it has been the the spirit that they have within their organization. You know, uh, their head trainer was joking about it. Their coaches was like, I got to get used to seeing you and this stuff, you know, but uh, I've already had a chance to go out there a few times and, and get in some work with the guys, and I couldn't be excited, uh, be be more excited about uh, the season. Well, we're excited too. I mean, one of the things you you talked about is longevity and how at your age you've been playing for a long time, like most of your life, um, and you've been doing it at this world class level. But every year, 
it feels like all these new players hit the court at, coming out of nowhere and they all are trying to change the game in some way. And so we feel like in marketing, it's very much the same thing. New platforms every year, new technology, new brands, new creative talent that's just blowing us away. And so we're wondering, how do you think about and how do you respond to on the court all the new stuff that's coming at you? Because you're a target out there. And, and stuff you've never seen before, ever had to deal with before, guys half your age doing things that nobody's ever done before. How do you anticipate, prepare for, and then respond to that out there on the court? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a really good question, Ross. But I'll tell you, um, like you said, I've actually now been in the NBA half of my life, you know. But what keeps me so connected to the game and everything is that I've had camps since day one, since I came into the NBA. And I have an elite guard camp that I've had uh, for probably about 15 years now. And I have a AAU basketball program, a grassroots program where I have 14 of my AAU kids who played in my team, on my team, who are now in the NBA. So I'm so connected to the game. I coach my kids during the summer, not like my personal kids, but my <laughs> AAU kids. It's, it's crazy calling them kids, but, you know, uh, some of them were when, when they played on my team. Uh, my very first player that made it to the NBA was a guy named Reggie Bullock, right, who, who plays in the NBA now, actually was my teammate, and he was my very first AAU kid that made it to the NBA and was my teammate. And so uh, that keeps you connected to the game. So I'm always knowing who's coming in and what the next uh, talent looks like. I feel like Haley and I don't have a camp of marketing people that we're training and bringing up, <laughs> but we do read Ad Age and Ad Week. Um, but I, <laughs> well, I, we, I, might, we might start one we now, Ross. Start one. Right. That is right. good advice. But he's got like a cheat code because he sees them. He's like, oh, I see who's com coming after me. They're, right. like, they're 15 now, but like in a few <laughs> years. Like, then, and then one more question about like the emerging next generation, because, and I know you've spoken about this a little bit, um, because you have so much experience working with brands. And so I wonder if you could talk about the relationship relationship between brands today with NIL and some of the younger kids that are coming up. I know you have a strong opinion on that. Um, just about like, what's your advice like for younger athletes and how do you feel about teenagers doing these deals that like in some cases are bigger than some of the NBA players that you play with? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because you need money. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you be perfectly honest, like you need money at times in, in, in your life. When I came into the NBA, there were deals here and there that, you know, a lot of times you're doing not necessarily partnerships, but you, like you said, you're doing like, you want me to hold this and you're going to pay me what? <laughs> you know, so I think it's, it's big for kids to understand who they are, you know, as a business, as a brand. And these brands also have to understand, you know, what they're paying for, because the brands already know that, right? The brands know how many followers this kid has on TikTok, how many they have on Instagram. But I think throughout the whole process and what we try to do is try to educate these kids as much as possible along the way because there's guys who are in professional sports who don't understand. So if you get to these kids earlier, they're not going to understand. So I think the communication aspect has to be there. That's right. You know, you've been recognized for a lot throughout your career and even your advertising work has been recognized. But now you're about to be inducted into the Advertising Hall of Achievement, which is a rare and special recognition within the advertising industry. In fact, winners often say it's one of the first times 
that they feel truly seen by the advertising industry and a see among really talented people, they feel like they're finally standing out. And it creates this moment of self-reflection because being acknowledged as one of the most impactful contributors and among the best and brightest in all of advertising and marketing is going to do that for you, right? No question. <laughs> and in any industry, really, how does it feel to you to be recognized by this industry for your achievements? It's still crazy to think that this ha- I remember when I got the phone call, I think it was Jess or Carmen, they called me and they told me and I was like, what? I was like, how? <laughs> how? Like, how me? How me? And it's not till I'm, I think I'm with my family sometimes uh, and we start looking at different pictures or my wife has the app on her phone that uh, every day it shows like what was happening a year ago, you know, or I see pictures or like when we get on set for State Farm this year, uh, it's a woman named Susanna Swartley who has been a part of day one State Farm and is still there. And when we get on set, we start reminiscing like, do you remember the very first shoot? You know, and it it has really become a, a big part of my life. Um, the different people in the advertising space have become part of my extended family. And to be recognized among, you know, some of these great names, uh, Baldwin, Alicia, like all these different people who have given so much of their lives and their time to uh, this space, I'm telling you, it's it's a real honor and a privilege because uh, I really take this stuff seriously, right? When we do these different advertising ads. And when I was younger and I first came into the NBA, I used to do a few things here and there, but I've always been a consumer, right? And I don't just watch commercials now or ads or anything like that. Now I'm I'm literally looking at it like, how's it shot? Who's shooting it? Who's the director? What's this? What's that? I love every little intricacy of of the process. That's great. So you can appreciate all that goes into it, which is so much of what the AAF likes to celebrate because as you just said, there are so many details, so many components that go into making that connection between the brand and the consumer most consumers don't even realize it. And so you've had a, a front row seat, obviously, into what's happening. I'll tell you guys a cool story. I was leaving uh, UCLA um, last week because I have this program out here called Club 61, where I bring five kids from every NBA city that I've played in. And I bring them here to LA for three days. And we go through financial literacy. We go through health and wellness. We go through so many different things in life. And I was leaving to, uh, to go home so that I could work out. And I was driving and I looked at somebody sort of running on the street and I, ro- I rolled down my window and I yelled out the window. I said, Quincy, right? So I yelled out Quincy and I saw the guy look back like, who's calling me? And so then I hit the horn and he backed up and Quincy saw it was me. And so just to let you guys know who Quincy is, Quincy has been my double on all these commercials for all of these years. Right. Amazing. And so I never like get a chance to see him usually unless we're filming one of the spots. And so just driving and I seen him running and I I yelled out the window and I got goosebumps, man, because Quincy has become part of my family. We get this point in time every summer to do these spots or whatnot. But uh, Quincy said he was running up to UCLA to go play basketball and just to see him, I just, just made my day. I love that. That is awesome. Chris, do you remember the 
the first time you were on one of those sets? Because you've worked with a lot of brands like Nike, Jordan brand, Beyond Meat, obviously State Farm, others. Do you remember like the first time you went on a set and you were like, what is this? Because it's got all the rules and people doing things. You're like, what do they do? Oh, yeah. What was that like? The first one, it might have been a Nike shoot. Might have been probably my rookie year. The Beyond Meat stuff has been so fun. There's been so many different. I tell you, some of the funnest shoots have been the ones that I've been able to do with my family, right? Like my son was in a State Farm commercial when he was like three years old. My whole family were in Beyond Meat shoots. But I tell you, there's a there's an ad that you guys should see. It's a Nike ad. It was the 25-year anniversary of the Air Force One, right? And it was right at the time I was leaving Nike to go to Jordan brand, right? I know it's all under the Nike umbrella, but it's, it's separate. And we did a, a thing at an airport hangar in Ontario. And it's all of us walking in these white suits, right? And it's got this music going to it and the energy of it's crazy. And they needed us to play basketball, in the spot. They wanted us to be playing actual basketball. And I'm a young guy, so I'm like, let's play. Let's play. It's like me, Steve Nash, Paul Pierce, Jermaine O'Neal, guys who, Tony Parker, guys who's older than me. And they kind of like, nah, I don't really feel like playing. And in order to make the spot look good and real, they need you to like play. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, man. They came with, they came up there and they dropped some money. <laughs> they, they, dropped, they dropped some money on the court. And it was four on four. And they was like, whoever win, get this money. Man, if you ever go watch that commercial. So it's funny. Kobe was hurt. So they just filmed, like, if you look at it, it looked like he's playing in the game, but he's not. LeBron, he's in the commercial, but he wasn't, he wasn't there either. But the rest of us, that's a real four on four game. And that's, that's the coolest thing about ads and stuff like that is when you know the behind the scenes and how they put this in there and how they put that in there. That's a, that's a, great, that's a great story, Chris. So yeah. you, you talk about working with your family and obviously with your brother, Cliff, um, and, and yep. your, your, your relationship with State Farm, which has kind of become a family, I think, to you. And, you, you know, I, I remember Steve Stout is a friend of mine uh, and Translation's done a great job. So I know it, it, the State Farm relationship really started there, I think. With, yep. with Steve and, and, and Pam. Pam L. Pam L. was the CMO of State Farm at the time, but then na- then went on to become the CMO of the NBA itself. NBA. Yep. And now we got Tammy Hinault entering the class of 2023 yep. as the current CMO with you, which is it's all crazy and how it comes together. Can you it tell is. us about like why why has this relationship with State Farm been so great? Like what makes it so good? And I still remember riding on the 405 back in like 2011, 2012, when Pam and Steve called me and told me about this idea, right? And I just got to LA, you know, and I'm like, all right, let's, let's try it, you know, let's try it. And the very first shoot that we did, and this is like LA living for you, I guess like paparazzi got pictures of it or whatnot. And the first thing that came out, they said that I was filming a movie, <laughs> right? I was like, I'm not fil- filming a movie, no. but the whole process of it is when I really started paying attention. And then when I was getting a chance to be Cliff, now that was, that really made me appreciate like the Nutty Professor and all those different type movies, right? Where you're having to be multiple characters. Uh, but the State Farm uh, partnership has been so special because 
it introduced me to a whole different audience that has absolutely nothing to do with sports, right? And uh, we took it from being these fun, funny commercials to being very impactful in the communities, right? We've done a number of learning centers around the country where we go into different boys and girls clubs and we remodel and make sure that these kids have access to technology. And, you know, we have the assist tracker. And I think that's been the coolest thing about it is that we've been able to show up, not just as these funny commercials, but show up in a big and impactful way. And I'll tell you probably the, the number one thing when it comes to all of these commercial spots is I had an opportunity to play golf with uh, President Bill Clinton years ago. And I'll never forget, I was at the first tee and when he got there, right, because I'm waiting at the first tee and, you know, the motorcade comes, pulls up and he gets out. And the first thing he says to me is he says, I didn't know if I was playing with Chris or Cliff today, <laughs> you know. And so obviously everywhere I go, people, you know, now now people, every time they see me, they ask if they can race walk against me, you know. And I'll never forget him saying that because that's when it really hit me. I was like. These ads, these commercials, they are really <laughs> seeing them. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that partnership. And uh, yeah. Well, so the relationship between athletes, professional athletes and marketing, let's talk about that for a second. You know, it's funny when we did the, the voting for this year's uh, Advertising Hall of Achievement, everybody who gets nominated has to be introduced by somebody. And Alicia from American Family Insurance had, I mean, it was sort of shocking. Like her introducer, the person who like nominated her mm -hmm. was Shaquille O'Neal. Wow. Shaq got up in front of our council of judges and made the case for why we should induct Alicia. And we were like, wow, like this is really something. Like the relationship between athletes and the advertising industry. So what is it? I mean, I remember in 2014, Tim Nudd in Adweek called you, quote, the NBA's most gifted endorser. <laughs> and all I of this- I didn't know that. Yeah, well, there you go. Put it on the wall. Like, put it in your bio on, on, on X. But here's the thing. You, you've done this. A lot of other athletes have now done it, and many in your footsteps- why are athletes so drawn to marketing and why are marketers so drawn to athletes? Man, that's a, that's a really good question. I think first and foremost, athletes are drawn to it because especially in the world of social media and all this stuff, everyone is always looking at their screens, right? And then people watch games, they watch TV and being a part of these really cool ads or whatnot, it gives you exposure. And some people, depending on who you are, you may not get an opportunity to really show your personality, right? Everyone's not necessarily on Instagram or TikTok and stuff. And so you get an opportunity to sort of show your personality in this. And I think the, the reason why different marketers or ad agencies want to use athletes, because especially when it comes to the NBA, we're the most recognizable players in the country. You know, uh, all the other sports are great in their own regard, but in football, they're obviously wearing helmets. You know, that's why a lot of times you see a lot of the quarterbacks and things like that that are in ads. But us as players, our game is so up close and personal. And it's one of those things that everybody feels like they can do, right? Everybody feels like they can pick up a basketball and go outside 
And we've done, I think, a great job over the years as players of making sure that we do that, you know, always show who we are. Um, and even if you look at the fashion, right, like when we first came into the league, it was, oh, well, my rookie year was when they implemented the dress code. And everybody was like, man, why we got to do this? Why we got to do that? And now you look at it, it's this whole, it's a whole nother business on its own because guys get an opportunity to show their personality. And Absolutely. it's, it's, it's really, it's really fun. From that though, you get to make choices, right? Cause you get pitched a lot, I'm sure. And your friends and peers and colleagues in the, in the, in the league get pitched, you know, all the time. So how are you deciding what to say yes to and what not to say yes to. Cause also you're a man of faith. I don't know. I mean, where are the, where are the lines? Where are the things you're not going to do versus the things you want to do? When you're younger, it's kind of hard, you know, sometimes it's like, man, I need this money. You know, <laughs> what do you want me to hold? You know, but as I got older, I stopped doing like um, just deals. Like there's partnerships, you know, every, every brand that I stand next to now is something that I actually use and represent, you know, and I think that, is big because the people that I see, you know, when they see me out or something like that, they don't want to see me holding on to something that I don't even use, you know? And I think that's the big thing with social media and everything. Authenticity is the hardest thing for everyone to, to, to sell. And I think that's the biggest thing that everyone wants to grasp to. And that's why I say the biggest thing with me and the ads or whatever it is that I do, I'm a consumer. <laughs> I'm a consumer, so when I'm filming an ad or anything like that, I try to make it as conversational or funny as possible because I watch TV, I watch these different ads, and I want to laugh. I see, I see things too, and I'll be like, "Damn, that was, that was good, <laughs> that was good." And I'm sitting at home with my family, and you know, things will pop up sometimes, and you're like, "Damn, that was good. I need to try that." <laughs> <You know? laughs> I wonder if like there's an uh, an NBA star that you think like. I'm glad I got this award because they're really good. Like they're that they're, they're good in, in their ads. Is there somebody else that you think is like really good in in ads? I'm trying to think. You have to you have to like show them to me. But when I watch them, I, I always say, "Who think?" I, I who think it would be grand, Grandma Ma would probably be. Oh my God, that was so good. <laughs> that was so good. So I really I really like that. Um, I really like. You remember Lil Penny? Yeah, of course. Penny Hardaway, <laughs> yeah. which, which was interesting about that is that um, Lil Penny actually went to Wake Forest. There was a book. Lil Penny actually went to Wake Forest. And you know what's crazy? And you know, everyone is their own person. And I think that's what's so interesting for me to watch, too, when I watch ads, because some guys are unbelievable stars and athletes, but they may not be as comfortable speaking. Right. So when you watch an ad and you see someone else in the spot and you see that person talking more than the, the actual athlete, then that's something that means something to me, you know? And so everyone has their own comfort, comfort zone. And that's what I appreciate about ads because you play, you, you mess around with it. You figure out what works and everybody's different. That's great. You know, Chris, you're not just seen as a basketball superstar and an advertising leader, but you're also a force for positive change, which is one of the reasons that you're receiving this special cultural force award from the AAF. You dedicate a lot of time and personal resources to community building and engagement. You've talked a little bit about some of that here up until uh, a little bit earlier. Um, but would you tell us uh, just a little bit about some of your favorite initiatives or maybe your favorite initiative or the thing that means the most to you that you wish you could spend even more time and energy toward? 
You know, it's funny, Haley, and I'm sorry, but sometimes I forget all the different things that we have going on, and I'm not sure it's just one that I I want to put all my time into because everything is a little bit different. Like I was talking about my AAU program. So mm -hmm. that is based out of North Carolina and is so passionate to me because a lot of those kids are growing up just like me and my whole family is a part of it. And we're just trying to give them uh, an opportunity to fall in love with the game as, we, as we've done. Uh, I started a social change fund uh, during the pandemic with uh, D. Wade and Carmelo. Um, and that's really been great because when you're younger, everyone is like, what can I do? And as you get older, you start to realize what can we do, right? Because you're so much stronger together. So just the board meetings that we've had together and the way that we've been able to make an impact together is something that uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for. We've done a number of things for HBCUs, historically mm -hmm. black colleges and universities. I actually graduated last December from Winston-Salem State. There's just so many things that's honestly so fulfilling. You know, I yeah. remember my, my coach, Monty Williams, he used to always tell us, like, on off days, anytime we had an off day, he used to always say, go fill your cup, yeah. right? Go fill yep. your cup. And I, and I like that because, you know, just like everyone else, we all work so hard, you know, on the things that we do. And it's days like this where, you celebrate it, and I really, really don't think I should be, but I, I get a chance today to spend some time with my kids, and that's that's literally how I fill my cup. Yeah, I love that, and I really do love that you keep referencing some of the great influences and lessons, uh, in, influences you've had on your life, and lessons that you've learned because it seems like you've really taken those, and at this point in time, are using them to help others and pass them on. And that is the gift of, of, of learning in life is to be able to, to give back and teach others, right? Yes, ma'am. That's, that's the realest thing. And it goes back to what I said. In order to be a great leader, you got to be able to listen. So to tell you the truth, a lot of times I'm just the sum of all of my experiences, right? So with all my coaches that I've played for, the different things that I've taken from them, that is is not me. It's me just learning from them and pouring that into others. And I think that's the funnest thing with uh, community, you know. And even this community, like I, I love hearing about different spots. And you know, I always think about um, the Super Bowl, right? And not just the spots that come on during the Super Bowl. My first question is, I always go to a company and I'll be like, okay, you guys pay what for that? That spot, how did that influence the revenue? I think that's the thing that's always most intriguing to me because you don't do these things for nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't. You definitely don't do them for, for nothing. So I've just always been in intrigued uh, about how it all works. That's great. You just wrote a book. And I know you talk a little bit about your grandfather in there who had a huge influence on your life. Tell us what inspired you to write this book now. And if you wanted to give a plug for it to our audience, please do. So the, the book that I wrote um, that actually became a New York Times bestseller, sheesh, man, that was, that was some work. <laughs> that was some work. But uh, it's probably one of the most fulfilling things that I've done and had no idea that it would impact others the way it has. It was almost like a like a passion piece, you know, and it started out to be just about my my relationship with my grandfather, but it evolved and actually our head trainer for the 
um, Warriors came up to me the other day and said he's been reading it. And he said, do you realize you wrote a parenting book too? <laughs> and I said, you know, throughout it, I started realizing that is that I was talking to my kids, talking to my wife and my family in general, and just, you know, my, my kids live a totally different life than me and my wife lived growing up. And so you're just always trying to, like we said, find this balance between work and family, work and family. And so uh, the book is called 61 Lessons from Papa. My grandfather was murdered at 61 years of age when I was 17. And my very first game, the day after his funeral, I scored 61 points. So this has just been a way that his his legacy has lived on. And, uh, you know, I miss him, but uh, I'm glad I'm able to share his story and our story with the rest of the world. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You've given us much more than we had even hoped for, Chris. It's been awesome talking to you. I want to say thank you to you guys and a big thank you to the AAF. And just know that this does not go like unnoticed. Like, I'm serious. Like, this is such an honor and a privilege, especially with the other people who are on the list. And uh, I'm I'm extremely humbled. And I hope that there's a lot of fun uh, to come over the years. Well, CP3, I know that you're, you're about to start a season playing next to the all-time three-point points leader in Steph Curry, but he is not in the American Advertising <laughs> Federation's <laughs> Hall of Achievement, and he did not get this award. And so I hope he feels a little bit jealous of you beyond just your basketball abilities, but as as Tim Dunn said, one of the, the best advertising guys ever in the NBA. So thank you for everything you're doing for our industry and for bringing your full self to it. Uh, the two of us really appreciate having you on season two of our podcast. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Well, that does it for this episode of the Future Legends of Advertising podcast on iHeart. I'm Ross Martin. And I'm Haley Romer. And thank you for listening. We'll be back with another episode before you know it. And for more information on the American Advertising Federation, go to aaf.org.